My name's Stephen Morrison. Welcome to Songs in the Key of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs, or middle-aged songs. Anything that takes my fancy, really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre, or some other concept. Other times, they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands, those songs I can't get out of my head. You may remember from the last episode of this podcast that I featured a rather splendid song called Molly by an Anglo-American band called Dylan Trees. For complete transparency, now is probably a good time to tell you that the brains behind that band is the boyfriend of my wife Rachel's friend Anna, which means that it turned out not to be that difficult to secure Jeremy Simon as a guest on the show. In a moment you'll be able to hear my chat in full with him where he talks about his life in music and offers us a playlist of some of his favourite songs of the moment. But before I do that, remember you can head over to Spotify and find the playlist to accompany this episode where you can hear all of Jeremy's song choices in full. Just look for Songs in the Key of Jeremy Simon. So with me now is Jeremy Simon and we're going to have a chat about uh, some of the songs that have been buzzing through his noggin lately. Uh, Jeremy, hello, how are you doing? Hi Stephen, I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having me on your podcast. This is a, I want to say sort of long time listener, first time caller, you know, this is... <laughs> uh yeah a, a, a real privilege yeah yeah you, you you're, you're the first guest in about a year i've had a bit of a, a hiatus oh. in, in the guest department but uh so it's it's good to good to to share the microphone with someone else and uh, and i think your 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 selection that you've sent over is is going to be a, a good lesson um so um i'm going to ask you a bit about your your musical life um over the course of the next few minutes but uh, let's start off with your first song uh which i've got here as she's an icicle by the besnard lakes which when i first looked at it briefly i mis- misread it as the bare naked ladies completely <laughs> uh not were they also were they also canadian they were but uh bare naked ladies are canadian aren't they I believe. Lakes. That, that's a yeah. Coincidences run deep. Maybe this is a conspiracy theory we're developing. <laughs> anyway, uh, co- compared to the uh, rather frenetic sounds of the bare naked ladies in one week, uh, she's an icicle. Is a rather spaced out, chilled out, washed out piece of absolute gorgeousness. Uh, what what drew you to it? What why why has this uh, been uh, in your head of late? Well, I, so I've been a I've been a huge fan of the Besnard Lakes for quite a while now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the tracks we're li- we're going to listen to today sort of take me back to um, certain points in my life. Um, yeah, m- you know, many of them after I moved to America in two thousand and six um, to to Los Angeles, and it was my good friend Rob who introduced me to this band. Um, I came in sort of. I mean, there are about, I think, five or six albums in at this point that they've been going since the mid 2000s. So they're sort of, um, Mm. they take their time. Um, Mm. But they, yeah, in 2007, they did uh, the Besnard Lakes are the Dark Horse. They have this really cool uh, way of sort of naming their albums where it's the Besnard Lakes are 
dot dot dot. So they said okay. Besnard Lakes are the dark horse. Besnard Lakes are the roaring night. Um, and so Rob introduced me to them, and I was just so blown away by this kind of epic, um, rocking sound world. It's almost sort of like, um, you know, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere or something like that. Just like really over ambitious, yeah, um, clever um, arrangements that just build and build quite sort of long tracks really immersive really dreamy and just really pack an emotional punch um Mm. so they didn't do anything for a while um from 2016 they hadn't really released anything and then all of a sudden last year they came out with a a sort of bit of a comeback album which was the Besnard Lakes are the last of the great thunderstorm warnings (laughs) which is just like the most The last of the great thunderstorm warnings. Wow. Yeah, just so apocalyptic. You know, it all seems sort of quite uh quite on the nose for for last year, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, but but it's a really, really phenomenal album. Um <clears throat> and then uh and then they spoiled us this year with an EP release <clears throat> called The Besnard Lakes Are the Prayers for the Death of Fame. <laughs> Okay. So again, taking us to this sort of existential and sort of um, yeah, apocalyptic place. Um, yeah, and the lead single off that it's just, I think it's just a three or four track EP, but the lead single, the lead song, "She's an Icicle," um, I just thought was quintessential. Besnard Lakes, um, yeah. you know, it starts starts off in this kind of glacial, hushed tones um, with sort of dreamy. It's basically a husband wife team okay um, leading the band so you get these kind of male female vocals but the guy often sings in a falsetto adding these sort of even higher harmonies on top they're all quite layered and um and just dreamy um so it starts off when the lyrics are all sort of quite hard to make out but they're generally about sort of lost love and yearning and passion and heart um and then just like a couple of minutes in it just it just takes off and suddenly this whole other, you know, and the chorus kicks in, the whole rhythm changes, it speeds up, it changes rhythm, um, changes time signature pretty well. Um, and suddenly we're off on this other journey where mm-hmm. he's sort of screaming, she's an icicle. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then we're away at the races, but it's it's really, you know, if, it, if it's anyone's introduction to the band, um, it's a really good place to start because um, it sort of sums them up for me.
So that was a, uh, a little bit of She's an Icicle by the Besnard Lakes. Now, your next song uh, you've picked is uh, by Kurt Vile, uh, Going on a Plane Today. Uh, tell me a bit about that. Sure. So Kurt Vile dropped an album uh, this year, which was excellent. It's called Watch My Moves. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, all, you know, lo- lowercase uh, and in brackets. Just why not, you know? Um, yeah, they're an odd, they're an odd sloppy outfit, aren't they? Um, Kurt Vile and his bandmates. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're yes. just a sort of. I I love their chaotic, um, sort of beery uh, energy. Um, he's pure Philadelphia. That's the city where he's from in America, and yeah. he just he his the his accent, the way he sings, his demeanor is just absolutely encapsulates everything that's great about Philly. Um, yeah. His name, so you know Kurt Vile, the uh, the German, sort of nineteen thirties uh, expressionist. Theater, he, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you you know. So when I first came across Kurt Vile a few years back, I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like playing with Kurt Vile, you know, the German yeah. guy, but he's changed his name to V I L E. That's cool. Yeah. Turns out that's that's actually his name, and his oh, parents really? had no his parents had no idea there was another. <laughs> musician called that so that's just his surname is actually vile yeah his family name is vile Uh, (laughs) v-i-l-e that's our friend is this Um, is this like one of those just sort of myths he's created about himself (laughs) no no being being too much of a cynical oh Oh, it must be true then okay i'm sorry I choose to believe. I choose to believe that story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so this is, um, I mean, this song takes me back to a really nice memory, actually, from this year, um, standing in Victoria Park uh, with my wonderful partner, Anna, watching um, at the All Points East Festival, okay. um, which uh, we went to one of the days there because she lives not too far away. Um, and it was a really cool lineup and Kurt Vile was playing mm-hmm. and I was waiting. She was standing in line for a, uh, and a rapper and I just got a couple of beers and was waiting for her and Kurt Vile was playing. And it was just yeah. one of those lovely moments when everything just feels pleasant and you yeah. know, moment, momentarily in control. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, music's good, good for that once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Um, but this song, I, just, I, I think this is the opener on the album, actually. And I just think mm-hmm. it's so, it's got his sort of childlike simplicity, his love of kind of simple rhyming and wordplay. Um, yeah. And it's got this fantastic final verse, which is like, listening to Heart of Gold, gonna open up for Neil Young. Man, life can sure be fun. Imagine if I knew this when I was young. Going on a plane today. Chug a beer and curse my name See you on the other side Either on the tarmac or the afterlife Things getting a little weird My mind gone foggy, my memory's unclear Man Watch me shrinking back into a little kid 
Country by Wilco. So this is, um, I mean, I suppose there's, there might have been hints of some kind of country element to Kurt Vile, but um, here in Glorious Technicolor, you've got you've got a bit more uh, of a country sound uh, in Wilco's song. Um, so yeah, tell me tell me a bit about about this and why you've chosen it. Sure. So this was um, Wilco dropped their like album this year. Twelfth. What a what a what a prolific career. I mean, it's only got four. Only got to your twelfth album. It's just hard to like keep track, isn't it? You know, it's yes. sort of, it, it becomes it's such a sprawling oeuvre. It's really hard to kind of make sense of it. Didn't um, they re-release from... a, a one of their classics as well this year? I'm sure I read a review of a reissue or something. Yeah, it might have been Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That was Maybe it. it was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. So that was when they started sort of, so they start, you know, he started his career as a solid alt country um, kind of a trailblazer um, mm. before getting into the studio with Wilco and tearing things apart a bit and deconstructing, deconstructing it, becoming a little more experimental and sort of, yeah, um, yeah odd. Um, and then the band sort of lurched, lurched in different directions with, greater or lesser success i think um but i thought that the album cruel country from which this is the title track was just amazing it just had this really coherent vision um it sounded like a band sort of back in the studio together um i feel in general this i don't want to get too ponderous about the you know the times in which we are living but i do feel that a lot of the um the bands and artists we're listening to today um there was a sense of sort of getting back in the studio together i think maybe mm-hmm. after lockdown after yeah you know, the, the the rough couple of years prior to it um i think there's just been a i don't know it was kind of a year when i started listening to a lot of music again as well this year i feel last year was so bleak uh it was a little hard to get too invested in 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 music it didn't seem right you know yeah. Um, unless it was like, you know, Beethoven or something, just something that sort of felt like it was going to stand the test of time. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and so when I started listening to music this year, um, I realized that there's just been a sort of explosion of musical energy from pent up, um, you know, mm. pent up creativity. Um, and I think you hear that in Wilco as much as mm. anyone. Um it's just a brilliant album it, from start to finish. So there's just not a bad track. Um, I particularly love this uh, uh, song, Cruel Country, um, with his lyrics. I love my country like a little boy, red, white and blue. I love my country, stupid and cruel, red, white and blue. Like, yeah, what a, what that, a com- that was the... complicated statement on on America, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um arguably a, a similar sentiment could be said in this country as well but yeah that was that yeah. was the line that i picked out i love my country stupid and cruel red white and blue yeah it's like yeah 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 uh, 
But then, but then he's like, all you've got to do is sing in the choir with me. And there's something very sweet about that. Yeah. Um, and there's a very odd production in it where it's, sort of, it's pretty straightforward, you know, glorious Americana country. But, but, but when he sings, sing in the choir, there are these kind of chorus of howling cats, it sounds like in the background, which really <laughs> grabbed yeah. my attention. Tension. I was like, wait, where are they going now? This yeah. is odd. <laughs> and there's a fair bit of um yeah sort of alt culture uh, alt country uh references in the in the playlist that we're going to go through uh lots of sort of hints of that style and in um in a whatsapp uh text you sent me uh, at some point you, you mentioned bakersfield um which was a a, a place where sort of country music really happened yeah. is 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 um, sort of country music, alt country, uh, a particular go-to for you, genre-wise, is it, or, or is it just um, this happens to be what you've been listening to this week? No, it's it's been it's been a um, been a long time passion of mine. Actually, from when I lived in London um, in yeah. the early two thousands, I suddenly, you, you know, you you probably remember that strange time when sort of Britpop fell apart, um, mm. which. Um, which you know every every scene has to end. It's not a bad thing, but there was yeah. a bit of a vacuum. Bit of a vacuum, I think. When I I, I wasn't, I'd sort of, um, I, it wasn't clear what direction I was going to go in taste wise. And then mm. suddenly, for various reasons, um, I I sort of discovered uh, indie country music. I suppose you'd call it Americana, some root stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a really good book called um, Are You Ready for the Country by journalist called Pete Doggett um, okay. which I read and suddenly was introduced to the sort of the this amazing history of country music from like Graham Parsons um, yeah. the birds um, you know and then all the way through to present day um, mm -hmm. and then I moved to America moved to Los Angeles where a lot of country music kind of emerged in the 60s and 70s that's where Graham lived for example yeah um where the birds hung out all that stuff um and suddenly it was right there and it was it was way more sort of um accessible and um exciting um and Bakersfield yeah it's one of those places where um that had its own sort of strange um country scene mm -hmm. um like Merle Haggard, you know, sort of certain, um, the Bakersfield sound had a yeah. very um, unique sort of, you know, it's, it's established California as being quite separate from like Tennessee or any of those other country centers. Yeah. Um, it was a bit more plugged in, a bit more electric, a bit more um, sloppy, I think. Um <laughs> So it was really nice this year just to, I don't know, I thought organically came back. Maybe it's because I've been missing California that I've been yeah. sort of gravitating towards a lot of um, Californian artists that have been putting out music this year. Um, yeah. And I've just been listening to it in a sort of nostalgic way. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, that's my country journey. Love my country Like a little boy Stupid 
so I went to uh, went to boarding schools from quite a young age, right? Because um, my parents are are quite posh, so they right. sort of they were like, oh, off, you know, like posh parents are just like, right, see you in ten years, you know, <laughs> okay. you out the door. That's strange. Yeah. Uh, so strange how old were you? Uh, uh, I was you 10 when young. I went to boarding school. 10. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty young. Um, and it was horrible experience from start to finish pretty well. You know, right. it was rugby and, and cold showers and all that stuff. Um, mm. um, but, you know, I'm sort of gradually making my peace with that. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, but, but I'm loath to give it any credit at all for anything. Yeah. But what it did teach me was the consolation of music right 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 so the power of music to take you out of a really bad environment okay. and take you away to a beautiful place in your yeah. mind and your soul um yeah that is um and and that honestly yeah like i say i don't want to give my school credit for that but <laughs> i i discovered it you know and then and at first it was probably church music classical music choir yeah. music that sort of stuff when I was very young um but then when I was a teenager at school um it was my my colleagues introducing me to like the Velvet Underground the Who yeah um Beach Boys Bowie um all the the, the canon you know um oh, and that's just yeah. that's when I found the power of rebellion and the power yeah. of these people who were even though we were you know, we couldn't have had less in common with Bob Dylan, really. We were just some posh boys in a posh school. Yeah. But man, did he, man, did he speak to us, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I see, I hear that rebellion. I feel that, that the power of those words and that music in my soul. And it's like being released, you know? Mm. It's like being free. Um, yeah. So that's, that, that's kind of the origin of my fascination with music and my... Um, my respect for music's power um and then uh and then I left school and and started playing in tons of bands um in my 20s um yeah and and then in my late 20s um I thought it would be cool uh to kind of do my own thing um I find bands quite difficult you know it's yeah like, it's, it's like it's like a, a, a complicated group dynamic that I always mm. found quite hard. Um, so I thought, I know, why don't I just do a solo thing? Acoustic yeah. guitar, you know, acoustic guitar, harmonica, that sort of thing. And I didn't want to play as Jeremy Simon. So I came up with an alter ego, Dylan Trees. Um, okay. Who then, uh, who and then about around that time, my late twenties, I moved to, um, California and ended up <laughs> it ended up back in a band because it seems in the, I, I can't help myself um but actually I, what happened was I met um I was doing it by myself but then I met um a producer called Charles Newman um in a bar I still remember it very clearly he sort of like you know told him I told him he made music he told me that he was looking for new artists to record and I should send him some stuff like gave me his business card in a very LA kind of way. Yeah. Um, so I uh, sent him some demos I'd worked on and he thought it was great. Um, and um, he said, yeah, let's get you into the studio. We did an EP together. Um, mm -hmm. 
he's also he works very closely with um, the magnetic fields um, okay. and a few, few the Davenports, a few other um, artists I have huge respect for. So it was a real thrill to be working with him. And he said, hey, man, you got to put a band together. And I was like, oh, OK, then. So I sort of pulled, you know, my buddy Rob in um, a few others. Um, so over the next like 10 years or so, we, you know, it was a, a bit of a revolving door of band members, the way these things go. Yeah. Um, but that really became the main sort of focus of my musical output. Um, uh, we recorded an, uh, a couple of EPs together in the studio um, mm. and uh, toured the West Coast um, a couple of times. Um, yeah. It was brilliant. It was really, really cool and just a bit crazy and chaotic. And then the whole thing sort of imploded spectacularly <laughs> in nice. about, um, I don't know what year it was, about 20. 15 or something um, right and uh since then i've been slightly out in the out in the i don't know how you'd you'd have better words for this than i do Stephen. but you know out in the wilderness musically speaking okay um, but i'm slowly uh i'm slowly gonna maybe dip my toe back into some performing and writing let's move on to a, uh, the next song that you've chosen, which is Q4 by uh, Father John Misty. I don't know why, but I immediately took against Father John Misty and I don't understand why. I've got it into my head that he was like some sort of, had some sort of overinflated ego and I just don't know where that came from. But Well, I think he does. It's, it's kind of, a, it's, it's the persona of this guy, Josh Tillman, right? Yeah. Yeah. of alter ego is this sort of um and i think the the character he's kind of performing as father john misty is quite arrogant cynical jaded okay. yeah um so, you know sneering a bit superior um mm. just a bit of a, a bit of a wanker really um <laughs> and, that, it, and that always gets a bit complicated okay? and you're like how far are you from that you know like he's yeah. famously a bit difficult in interviews and um just a bit yeah a bit of a challenging personality but I, cu I couldn't tell you where Josh Tillman stops and Father John Misty starts um yeah yeah because I, I, I'm a bit of a sucker for that kind of persona <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I find it I find it a bit appealing which is a bit okay sad, probably because <laughs> the, the song itself that you've chosen Q4 it's uh sumptuous and gorgeous and rich and it's got harp scores and strings all over the place and it's just a, a piece of absolute beauty and um i've had a guest on here before uh ed donovan who chose um a father john misty song and and that was that was gorgeous as well so i i think yeah i really do need to sort of reappraise uh <laughs> my whole uh view of him but um what was it about this song in particular that that made it onto this this playlist Oh, it's it's just lovely. I'm a, I'm a real sucker for a string drenched production. You know, just I I'm, I I love a kitchen sink production, especially sort of retro '60s yeah. style. Um, I think he's he's so so good with words and and music. You know, the way he puts lyrics and melodies together is yeah. truly virtuosic. Um, I do so kind of feel he writes songs that sound like they're more meaningful than they actually are maybe you sort of you know you could go in and read the word read the lyrics you're like i know no much more now than i did then about what it is it's just confusing 
Um, yeah. So I think he's quite deliberately quite opaque. I don't really know what Q4 is about. He released this album this year called Chloe and the Next 20th Century, which is sort of a concept album, um, maybe about someone called Chloe. Um, who, certain characters seem to crop up in different songs across the album. Um, I think some of the album's a little on the nose with its kind of references. Um, there's a sort of Harry Nilsson-esque song, which is, mm. you know, it's a little too close to Harry Nilsson to be even-esque. <laughs> 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 but the uh but i thought q4 was just was just terrific um yeah i was tempted i was tempted to include the um the title track um which is the last track on the album it's very downbeat i don't think it would suit the mood of this particular playlist but um um but it does end the album on a brilliantly downbeat reflective note which is if this century's here to stay, I don't know about you, but I'll take the love songs. <laughs> I thought it was so good. Just like, you know, if, if we're just going to relive the 20th century over and over again with its, with its bleak sort of outlook, you know, yeah. then let's, let, let's at least have, have the love songs, you know. Simone writes little love much consequence Unless the feed is how you pay Some semi-memoirs inside the weekend book editor's desk, and while they have not mentioned it, she must watch roses get thrown at less. Oh, the indignity! It was just the thing. Father John Misty there uh, with uh, a snippet of his song Q4. Uh, the next song I've got here, he sent me over a link to this a few weeks back and saying, do you like funk-infused country? And, uh, and the result was uh, The Fool by Pearl Derringer, um, and who I believe you know. Um, t- tell me more about uh, The Fool. Tell me a bit more about Pearl Derringer. And how she manages to infuse country with funk. <laughs> sure. I mean she's a she's a genius. Like this is my friend Jessie, actually. It's her sort of new um new um musical outlet, I guess alter ego of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um she's played in a few uh sort of different bands and different iterations over the year, including a band called The Lonely Wild, who are great, um, and her own band Coyote, who are also absolutely wonderful. She's very mm-hmm. Um, inspired by country music, also by sort of funk. You know, she's. I think she pulls in some quite interesting um, influences. Yeah. Um, in addition. Yeah. Um, and uh, and she dropped this track this year, "The Fool," which I just think is glorious. It's so groovy. 
um it's got such a cool kind of driving um her partner ryan is is a a musical um i don't know what's the word for someone who can literally play everything uh the trumpet keys yeah exactly sickening talent um he's brilliant so he's he plays a few different things on this track including ocarina i saw oh wow i see the the ocarina making a an appearance in popular music finally excellent Um, it's got a brilliant music video everyone should check out on youtube um with um some stunning choreography uh jesse did some of the costume design um, yeah, and the choreography is by a woman called Monica, who also did the choreography in the next track we're going to listen to by Angel Olsen for her music. Okay, video. so yeah. we're sort of we're creating some links here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a. I, there's not much more to say about it other than we've got to listen to it because it's great. chosen you've hinted at it's its arrival it's angel olsen and her song big time so yeah tell me a bit about uh big time and angel olsen well we're we're sort of we're still deep in in americana here we're deep yeah absolutely country this this is this is her sort of everything yeah absolutely it's gorgeous this is her country album i love the production is very sort of harkens back to a different era i think um the song is just so haunting and beautiful um mm. there's a crazy i was looking just doing a little background research on her new album uh, today and there's a crazy story behind um this song in particular in which she um so basically the, i think it was last year when she was writing this album um she came out to her parents yeah and they like three days later her father died and then like wow. a couple of weeks after that her mother died um wow. very heavy very heavy series of life um circumstances from which to write yeah an album um and i think knowing that the heaviness of that the, the strangeness and the heaviness of that sequence of events 
just makes me listen to her music with even more sort of rapture and wonder of the, mm. the this combination of sort of grief and joy that mm. um that is very it comes through really strongly in her music but i think it's also just true of country music in general you know it's, it's often yeah sort of tinged with melancholy mm. um at the same time as being quite um celebratory as well um yeah so it's just a great a, a great song from a brilliant um performer um the this is another song with a great music video as i mentioned the same choreographer as um the pearl derringer one mm. um really interesting video actually really clever odd concept with just some sort of almost like line dancing in a in a in a room in a bar um yeah but ev but every every so often someone sort of walks past the camera and suddenly everyone's swapped clothes so all the women are wearing their men's clothes and the men's are wearing the women's clothes and then they do the dance all over again but in a slightly sort of the the, the gender roles have been swapped um it's yeah fascinating i've watched it a few times and i'm still sort of wondering over its its narrative and where it heads yeah. and, and they, they seem to get more and more joyful throughout the video like by the last time dance comes around they're all just sort of swinging and laughing and it's just such yeah. a the whole world that she's created around that song is so beautiful mm. makes me very happy um, it's it's a it's a pure and very simple uh message of i'm loving you big time that's just the it's just just a beautiful very simple yeah love song isn't, yeah isn't it exactly and 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 sometimes you know i mean going back to father john misty like i'll take the love songs you know isn't that yeah. isn't that isn't that nice to yeah. have it's got so she wrote it with her her partner um in in a in a um and there's that line about being in a boat um and singing the lady in red and she was like you know say singing that song to her partner in this boat that's what she was writing about um yeah. i can only assume that's a lady in red by christa berg i i don't i don't oh, i haven't been able to I, I haven't been able to verify that it's any other lady in red. Maybe there's like a country song called Lady in Red or something a <laughs> Let's bit hope cooler so. <laughs> than Christa Berg, Lady in Red. But maybe she was just singing Christa Berg to the love of her life, which is, you know, why not? Why not? Did you know that Christa Berg was in, I think he was in the same class at, at uh, Marlborough with, as uh, Nick Drake? Really? Uh, yeah, and Nick boy, Drake. Boy, did they go on different life paths. Yeah, Nick Drake. Uh, I'm sure I read this, but it doesn't quite stand with my understanding of Nick Drake as the solitary human being he was. That Nick Drake started a band and just didn't want Chris DeBerg in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the talk of, yeah, going back to boarding school, isn't it? That's uh, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's a crucible for talent, but for all the wrong reasons, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on on that slight sidetrack, uh, I've 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 made a note here that the organ is is really gorgeous on this. It uh, for for me it records yeah. the sound of the band. Uh, yeah, sort of um, that's um, old old timey Americana kind of sound. Anyway, uh, let's hear a bit of uh, "Big Time" by Angel Olsen. Good morning, kisses. Give it. Curtains, show me the sunshine. Needing this 
Next up, we've got Partition by Bill Callahan, the artist formerly known as Smog. Um, and uh, this song, it's got a really, is it a bass clarinet sort of skulking around in the nether regions of it? It's an absolutely gorgeous sound. Tell me more about it. Tell me more about your uh, your recent escapades in, in seeing the man himself performing live. Yeah, me, me and my partner Anna went to see him at, at the Roundhouse in London. I used to live near the Roundhouse back in the day in Chalk yeah. Farm when it was just like a, um, you know, a big shell of Victorian engineering with nothing really going on inside it. It was all a bit okay. desolate and beautiful. Um, and now it's like a you know state of the art multi million pound art center, um, which is fine. Um, <laughs> and it's it's sort of a cool venue to see to see people play um the problem is from from where i was sitting is that there are like there are probably like 16 like columns you know like it's all like beautiful victorian ironwork inside you know beautiful oh yeah you know, yeah, you know the I've way victorians there, made yeah. everything look really yeah you're right right so you know you know but mm. but the, the 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 column was directly between me and bill callahan oh <laughs> <laughs> And he's not, you know, he's not Prince, is he? He's not going to be jumping around and, uh, you know, no. he's not. He, he just, he stands there. He stands, yes. he wiggles a bit. He wiggles a bit. He dances a bit. He moved around a little bit, but mostly I could just see a pillar. But it was cool. I told myself, you know, it's all right. I'm, I'm here for the music. I'm not here to see. I've seen him plenty of times. I don't need to see his face. It was a sludgy affair, Stephen. I, I think they had, they, had amp, they had amps set to sludge. It was very, <laughs> it was very... I mean, he's a difficult artist, isn't he? Like, you know, the, it, it, it was closer to Smog than it is to who he is now, I've got to say, mm. um, which is kind of cool. You know, I like that he produces albums that are very pretty and very delicate now and sort of beautiful. Like, I think this song, Partition, is a very special, lovely, beautifully produced, you know, masterpiece. Um, but live, it's just dirgy, stodgy, um, it was drum. It was the lineup was drums. He was playing electric guitar, stodgily. Yeah. <laughs> he had his usual guitar player doing his sort of kind of intense, you know, reverb echo sort of effects. Yeah. And then, and then you you know you typically round that combo off with a bass, um, but he rounded it off with a saxophone. So there's also a kind of okay. freestyle, freestyle jazz saxophonist. <laughs> whirling over the top of everything um it was just one of those shows where i couldn't tell if i was enjoying it or not but i definitely appreciated it i kind of admired right. it yeah. i admired its its originality and its strangeness um mm. but i you know and i also just i always have a sort of respect ton of respect for an artist like bob dylan actually who just steadfastly refuses 
to play anything that remotely resembles the studio version of a song. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. let's not give the people what they want. It's such a punk rock attitude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was cool. That was one of my few live music outings this year, I've got to say. Did you see a lot of live music this year, Stephen? Um, uh, the the, uh, the the main thing was uh, the Taylor Hawkins uh, tribute. Uh, oh Monday. yeah, so that, that covered that, pretty that much was a everything. lot of live music. That was a lot of live music all in one, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was there was um, there was Queen, there was Paul McCartney, there was uh, Chrissy Hines, there was uh, the Foo Fighters. Um, Crazy! What a wild show. That was everyone. It it was yeah. it was a bit. I'd, I'd never anticipated I would ever see Paul McCartney, but that there he was, a little dot somewhere <laughs> five miles away from me at the other end of Wembley Stadium. I mean, you probably had a better you probably had a better view of him than I did of Bill Callahan, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, getting back to to Bill Callahan. Uh, so you've chosen partition. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, this. There's sort of a dark sort of psychedelic sort of sound to it with this rambling rumbling bass clarinet thing going on yes and uh, and this repeated sort of mantra of uh microdose change your clothes do what you've got to do um that's just, it it keeps keeps uh coming over so i i, I think i think that, that is, i think mantra is a good word for that because it is like just do what you got to do yeah. I don't know. He's quite political, I feel. I feel like he sort of threads some pretty interesting ideas through his songs quite obliquely. Mm. But I do think when he talks about partition, I'm sure he's talking about the state of the world. You know, I'm sure he's talking about divisive politics and, um, mm. you know, people, uh, divided minds and divided people. Um, and then maybe microdosing and changing our clothes is the way that we do what we got to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the album's, the album's called Reality, right? It's called Reality. Yeah. But it's written backwards. Okay. So, <laughs> but the crazy thing is that it's written backwards everywhere. Like on Spotify. It's almost like they had to produce little glyphs. I don't know how you make a... A typeface go back. Oh, it's written in mirror image, not just yeah, the, the letters in the yeah. wrong order. Oh, right. Okay. No, no. Sorry, I should have explained that better. It's, it's mirror image. Yeah. Um, it's really unnerving. It's kind of cool. Like in reviews and stuff, you look on Pitchfork or whatever, it's, yeah. it's written backwards whenever it's referred to, which is a sort of. I thought it was cool when Kurt Vile did his, like, you know, lower, lower case and then in brackets. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. But then Bill Callahan. Just writes it back. Ups the ante. Yeah. It really does. Here's the partition. See the picture. 
pile of shit and bones Oh, more than they'll ever own Can't own the picture Do what you've got to do Do what you've got to do Microdose, change your clothes Do what you've got to do You do what you've got to do So that was Partition by Bill Callahan. Uh, next up, we've got Irena Mancini and Undo the Blue, um, which, to my mind, is about as close as you can get to Petty Fleur by Minnie Ripperton without being <laughs> Petty Fleur by Minnie Ripperton. It's like, when I heard it for the first time, I thought, it's this is just a rip-off of Petty Fleur, but... It, Melodically, there isn't actually anything there. It's just somehow it oozes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It it just has that whole vibe of Petit Fleur by Minnie Ripperton. It, it it's got that same sort of build up to the chorus, which yeah. then hits you hits you like a euphoric ton of bricks. You know, <laughs> yes, it's it's just so unsubtle and it's so glorious. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah 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 this is one of those tracks that i didn't so i i'm, I'm a big fan of spotify i've got to say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty on board with the whole spotify thing um i remember having a conversation with a friend when i was like a teenager being like wouldn't it be crazy if you pay a monthly fee and just access all the music in the world um <laughs> and now we can uh, <laughs> um and and what's really cool is that you know that, that they obviously serve you up music based on stuff you've been listening to. Yeah. And it's just a cool way of finding new music. Now, you know, do I miss going to a record shop and finding music that way? Of course I do. Do I miss yeah. going down the pub and actually talking to people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, uh, times being what they are, we we have Spotify instead. Um, and this was one of those tracks which just appeared on my feed and yeah. I heard it and I was instantly like what decade is this from you know mm. what, what what is this you know, you know astonished to find it was released this year mm. um I don't know a whole lot about Arena Mancini, Mancini other than um that her dad is a guy called Warren Peace <laughs> <laughs> of course he is <laughs> I think so. I think unlike Kurt Vile this was not his given name <laughs> his real um, name is henry yeah exactly um warren peace was a was a school friend of bowie 
Okay. And he, and he did a lot of stuff with Bowie. He did a lot of um, lot of backing vocals on on most of his albums. Um, toured with him right through to like the two thousands. He co-wrote. Do you know the song "Rock and Roll with Me" off Diamond Dogs? The beautiful Bowie song. Yeah. Um, he co-wrote that. Um, he co-wrote a song with Iggy Pop as well. He's like a really interesting dude. He's just one of those sort of, um, you know, one. I don't know what's the word for someone who's like not not in the spotlight but just behind it. You know. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those people. Anyway, his daughter also is a a talent. And she put this out. It's produced by a guy called Jags Kuna, who's who's a cool dude who was in a an, an act called Savers of Paradise back in the day with uh, mm-hmm. Andy Weatherall. They did sort of Primal Scream remixes together. He did yeah. a lot of kind of mash mash up mix up stuff himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is um, he produced this track and is like, yeah, the dude has taste. He's got talent. <laughs> um, he knows how to he knows how to get, yeah, yeah he knows how to get his mini Ripton on. Um, yeah, it's just a cool track. I love it. Again, string, you know, string drenched, mm. retro, beautiful stuff that I'm just a real sucker yeah. for. We've got uh, Back to the Radio by Porridge Radio. I, I, the, the lyrics, I, I just c- couldn't help but think that they, they might have been and seen Josephine's Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat a little one, one many times too often. With the bar, all the windows and lock all the doors. Oh. <laughs> I was expecting uh, jo- uh, Jason Donovan to appear. Um, oh, it's, a, I love it's a cold, brutal breakup song, isn't it? It's... Uh, it's uh, rather beautiful, but but very uh, bleak. Was 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 what came off it for me? What about for you? Yeah, I, it, it's it's a song about kind of it is kind of pulling up the drawbridge, isn't it? Getting a bottle of booze and just uh, wallowing in some yeah. some music. But I think it's also about the sort of I think I, I get a hint of the sort of um, you know the the soothing qualities of music in times mm. of trouble um you know it's it's a it's a sort of constant isn't it when all else yeah. when all else goes to crap at least you can put the radio on and um 
put your Spotify on rather enjoy yeah. some, <laughs> enjoy yeah. some music maybe that's what I yeah. took away from it anyway this this is yeah. you know I didn't know Porridge Radio before this it was introduced to me by my by um Anna my girlfriend mm-hmm. um and she um she loves Porridge Radio absolutely loves them and she was playing them and I was like huh these guys are fresh and she said this is Porridge Radio yeah and I said that's a strange name for a band. <laughs> yes. And then I said, what album is this from? And she said, it's from Water Slide, Diving Board, Ladder to the Sky. And I said, that's a strange name for an album. Um, it's their third album, turns okay. out. Oh, they've been around and for a, um, quite a while. Because uh, when they've been played on the radio, I thought, oh, they're, they're a new thing. But no, now three albums in. Right. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're really, really good. They've really um, got a lot of sincerity, sort of uncynical band, a lot of heart. Um, I'm mm-hmm. dying. To, I'm hoping next year to see them live because I've seen um, I've seen clips of them playing. If actually playing this song in particular, and it's just such a it just build. You can imagine it live, can't you? It just builds with that that synth riff kind of circling around and around and around. Yeah. It gets more and more intense building yeah. this beautiful sort of melodramatic cl- climax it's uh kind of rem- i guess it's a little joy division as well maybe like dance mm-hmm. to the radio you know the way that, that yeah. track sort of grinds on and heightens um but it's just mega it's totally great i'm excited to see more of them next year Lock all the windows and march up the stairs And you're looking to me But I'm so unprepared for it Nothing's the same And I swear that I'm haunted It's not fair to you And it's not what I wanted But we we've got uh the william loveday intention and uh, a cover of bob dylan's like a rolling stone now uh the william loveday intention is the latest i suppose incarnation of one mr billy childish who uh actually i saw him today what was weird <laughs> of course he did what was this weird life in medway right <laughs> yeah what was weird was i was listening to this song <laughs> <laughs> when I saw him, <laughs> you I summoned just, him. 
I, I, I was just idly walking down Rochester High Street and he whizzed past me on his scooter and in my ears, I could hear Billy Childish singing at me. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> Billy Childish is uh, prolific uh, in that he's, I, I don't know how many albums he's on to now, probably getting towards 300 or something. Um, and, and He's released the guys, four albums this year. Yeah, that's 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 nothing. Uh, he's done that in a week right. before now. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he's he's and his current guys is the William Loveday Intention, which is kind of his Dylan uh, phase. He, he's um, explored um, uh, his relationship with the Who and other and other acts before, um, but with. With uh, the William Loveday intention, he's he's um, pursuing his inner Dylan. Uh, so, what was it about this song in particular that you chose? Uh, why not any of his other five hundred seventy-six squillion <laughs> songs that he's done? I mean, I just think this really seems to 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 represent where where he is right now and his his strange and wonderful journey. Um, where he's like like someone's got to do it right someone's got to do Bob Dylan like Bob Dylan used to do Bob Dylan because Dylan's not doing it anymore no he's not he's and and, and, and if you're gonna he's covering um, covering Frank Sinatra songs (laughs) well he hasn't not his latest album but prior to that he was was, wasn't he with his uh, a couple of albums there's that thing when you see, see I've seen Dylan live a couple of times in the last like decade and he um you know, he starts playing a song and everyone sort of claps and cheers. And then there's another round of clapping and cheering in the chorus when everyone realises what song he's actually playing, you know. And that's just um, the band. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think it takes such guts to be like, yeah, we're going to just do, do a... Do, we're going to record Dylan covers in the style of Dylan in the 60s. Yeah. That's the kicker, you know, the garage is... rock sort of raw. Yeah. It's a fairly straight, uh, no frills cover, isn't it? It's, there's yeah, it's very straight. It's very straight. I mean, he some of his other, um, some of um, William Loveday intentions, other Dylan sort of interpretations. He's actually kind of rewritten some of the lyrics, um, which is even more gutsy, isn't it? You know, he's playing with fire there, Billy Childish, but he's he he. he if anyone can pull it off, it's him because he's got that spirit. He's got that sort of, uh, you know, he just doesn't care. He's just doing doing what's, what feels right to him in the same way that, that Bob Dylan does. Um, and I think, yeah, even though the cover is pretty straight in this instance, um, it's actually the second, <laughs> second like a Rolling Stone cover on consecutive albums, like the one before they did it. And then he just did it again. <laughs> Different versions. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. I, I I think it's um I think it's great. It's from the album Cowboys Are SQ, which which becomes clear when you look at the cover that it's actually meant to be Cowboys Are Square. Yeah. The, they missed off the rest of the words, so it's just Cowboys Are SQ. I don't mm. understand it. It's just his his world is so strange. I don't know if you got any insight when you saw him today as to what was going on inside his head. <laughs> well, I didn't talk to him. No, but he's got a history of using that—that that the kids are all square kind of thing. 
going uh, back to the 80s okay. or whatever when he was in the head coach. Oh, okay. There you um, go. So, yeah, that's a that's a, a little sta- a standard phrase he has. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's got his yeah. little sort of things, his little memes, his personal memes that he brings up in his work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just so wonderful. He's so suited to, to this kind of early, mid-period Dylan. Mm. Um it's just glorious. I hope he keeps doing it. I, I hope he does all that entire. I want to see all of Blonde on Blonde. You know, um, um, it, it it's just it's just great and it's mad. Uh, he's so Medway. He's so he's so of that place that you two are of. <laughs> uh, it, it's sort of un, un unapologetic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. He just does, he just does what he wants. He said he said about his Bob Dylan period he's going through. He said he said he's something like you know he's not he's not like obsessed with it with Bob Dylan. He's just Bob curious. <laughs> it's like Billy, what are you what are you on about? You crazy genius. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's one of the best we've got. I've got to say, I think he's one of the best we've got. Billy Childish. I think he's one of the greatest living um, Englishmen. I think his uh, his his refusal to succeed on anyone's terms other than his own is so admirable. Yeah. Well, if he's if he's hearing this, he'll probably hear that someone appreciates uh, it and then turn his back on it and do something completely different. Just to yeah, I've ruined it. Haven't <laughs> it? I've, I've completely spoiled it. Um, definitely, hey Billy, definitely stop doing Bob Dylan covers. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, less, less, less. Once upon a time, you dress so fine, threw the bombs a dime in your prime. Didn't you? People cause they beware, dog. You're bound to fall, you're full of the roller. Kidding you? You used to laugh about. So that was uh, Like a Rolling Stone, as covered by the William Loveday Intention, a.k.a. Billy Childish. Uh, next up, I was very, very, very excited when when I uh, discovered this on your playlist, because I'm a big fan of the Webb Brothers. And uh, this is a brand new song from them. Nobody has to know by the Webb Brothers, um, who are four, they, is there four Webb Brothers? They're oh, at the, least. The at sons least. of Jimmy Webb, <laughs> who was a fairly prolific uh, songwriter it was, was jimmy webb responsible for writing the wichita linesman yeah he was yeah, yeah. and macarthur yeah. park yeah and by the time i get to phoenix 
Yeah. So, the man is unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then. Actually, this is a true story. I saw him playing MacArthur Park in MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. Ah, oh, that, that beats my Billy Childish story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this, this is a good one. I was actually, I'm, disclaimer, I, I'm friends with Justin Webb, one of the Webbs. Um, Are you? I'm, I'm, I met him not so long, probably about 2010. Um, I'd moved to a neighbourhood called Silver Lake in Los Angeles, and I was sitting at a, standing at a bar in a venue, and I ordered a Guinness. And this guy next to me was like, hey, Guinness, that's, uh, you must be British or something. And uh, I was like, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. Um, and he was like, uh, I'm Justin. I was like, oh, I'm Jeremy. Nice to meet you. What do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a musician. I was like, oh, what's it? What's it? Got banned. He was like, yeah, man, we're bank called the Webb Brothers. And I was like, what? Oh, what? You know, big fan. Uh, yeah. He was excited that I was a fan because they are just the most humble, lovely people you'll ever meet in your life. You know, just so grateful to be making music and happy to have people hear it. Um, yeah, we became good buddies. It was lovely. We sort of oh, wow. did a lot of stuff together, recorded a bit. And uh, yeah. um, and I was just so happy when when I saw that they would had some new stuff coming out because I know they've talked about it for a bit. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it gave me gave me cause to email him, and I was happy to find out he's him and his lady have had a baby. Um, yeah. So there is a new a yet a newer generation of webs. Look forward to their album uh, in due course uh yeah um the, the, the lyric that always stands out to me is from the i think it was their third album that it was the one that was called the web brothers i'll yeah i'll take off all your babies and pump them full of rabies that was a nice <laughs> that lovely taste it's a rhyme <laughs> it's a rhyme that's got to be made I, he he gave me a book by his dad one his dad wrote a book about song he did the uh, songsmith was it or something like that yeah exactly and the bit that always stuck with me was his insistence that if you're going to rhyme, it has to rhyme like exactly. So if you have like, it has to be like babies and rabies, exactly. So, um, yeah, runs in the family. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the, the song in particular uh, that's under scrutiny today is uh, Nobody Has to Know, which... Uh, According to my notes, it's like a prop. It's a proper ballad, isn't it? It's like up there with oh Eric God, Carmen yeah. and Gilbert O'Sullivan, and you know, just yeah. This is this is a torch song. You know, this is a really heartrending, beautiful, beautiful um, masterpiece uh, sung by James Webb, Justin's right. brother. Um, and it's got, I think, uh, so Jimmy Webb is good friends with. Yes, good friends with Glenn Campbell, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Webb brothers, good friends with Cal Campbell, who's Glenn the son. Okay. Um, and uh, there are a lot of like kids of really famous people in L.A. You know, like George Harrison's kid, who the people who sort of never quite ascend to the same level as their parents because you can't, you know, you can't be as famous as Glenn Campbell. You can't yeah. be as famous as George Harrison. It's just not possible anymore. But they're just very talented, brilliant people in their own rights. I feel like the webs are a bit like that. Um, yeah. So Cal Campbell's involved in the production of this song um, and a host of other um, really talented people. 
including the backing singers that have completely blanked on the name of their group. They're from Glasgow, but they do right. some gorgeous close harmonies um, yeah. in like the second chorus or something. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good song. I'm proud right. of them and I'm happy that they're back. And uh, everyone should everyone should listen to them. Nobody has to know That I was here alone with you Nobody has to know Nobody has to say So that was uh, Nobody Has to Know by the Webb Brothers. Uh, that ends uh, Jeremy's list of uh, songs by other people that he's uh, he's chosen, um, as happens when I interview uh, people with a, a, a catalogue of songs behind them. I've asked Jeremy to pick one of his own songs to finish off on, and he's selected Three Times of the Day by Dylan Trees. So, uh, Jeremy, tell me a bit more about uh, Three Times a Day, um, you know, the, the history, how it, how it came to be. Is, is this like a, a favourite song of yours or, or how? how uh, just tell, tell, tell me more about it. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favourites. It's always, um, whenever we played live, um, it was always a song that got people going. It has a catchy clap-along chorus, which people seem to yeah. enjoy. Mm. Um, it was a song I wrote with Rob Fanta, um, who was my bandmate and songwriting partner at the time. Um, I'd go around to his, him and his uh, partner Sarah's little flat in the Westwood area of um, Los Angeles, and we'd sit there with his cat Gemini, and we'd write uh, we'd write music together. Um, I had a little jangly guitar line, little guitar lick that I was toying with. And I started playing it and he almost immediately came up with a sort of thumping, rolling, syncopated piano line, um, mm. which in the studio we we did, um, we uh, doubled up with the bass, which he also played. Um, yeah. And it just became a really satisfying sort of shanty. And it reminded me of the sea, I think. Um, obviously, L.A. is on the ocean. Um mm -hmm. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like Chatham in that respect, Stephen. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. LA is just like Chatham, yeah. And uh, but it's nautical, 
It's, it is nautical. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I was inspired by that to write some sort of nautical themed um, words about um, doldrums and up in the bay, um, oceans apart, um, mm-hmm. just various nautical cliches, which when stitched together, I think told a probably a sorry story of some sort of failed relationship or other. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I love, I, I'm a real sucker for sad songs, but sung in a, in a jolly way. Oh, they're um, the best. Yeah. Or, 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 or in fact, happy songs sung in a sad way. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of, most of my, you know, I think three times of the day is quite jaunty, but the lyrics are quite maudlin. Um, and that's just a, a satisfying trick. Um, mm. And it's great. Yeah, went in the studio. We recorded it with um, Heather on the drums. We, we found a drummer who had never drummed before, which is always quite appealing to me. I sort of think of a sort okay. of Maureen Tucker, of underground quality. There's a sort of naivety to it, you know. Mm. I think when drummers get too good at drumming, they get a bit, they get a bit carried away sometimes. Right. I remember reading about I remember reading about Marky Smith and the fool. You know, he just got, he just was screaming his drummers to stop playing so well. You know, it's just like stop doing too many fills. I don't want I, I want you to be a drum machine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But Heather was um was really good at that. Just sort of boom chat boom chat kind of drumming. It was perfect. Um, and then Monica Olive on backing vocals, um, had a great voice, really strong really um added tons of character i think and brought a lot of personality um to um the music uh and then the bartels who we wanted a horn player so we advertised for one and um uh this woman candace bartell showed up to the audition and said oh my husband's a she played the trombone she's great so we're like yeah definitely we'd love to work with you and then um she said my husband's a a percussionist can he join as well it was like sure the t- two for one um yeah. so we got a lot of his um you know he he would show up in the studio when we were recording with like timpanis and um marimbas and all sorts of amazing wild percussion instruments some of which you can hear on three times of the day but you can definitely hear the trombone um yeah it's 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 a rollicking tale Mm. of woe <laughs> bollocking tale of woe <laughs> excellent well uh, in a moment then uh, we'll uh, play out with a bit of three times of the day by, by Dylan Trees where did the name Dylan Trees come from uh, it's, it's a com- slightly convoluted story but it, it is loosely based around some of my um, influences okay uh, I used to tell people we we were asked that a few times on the radio and stuff, and I'd always say like it's not it's not about Bob Dylan, um, but it totally is, Stephen. It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, and actually, three times of the day is taken from a Hogarth painting. I got very interested in Hogarth at one point. The, the artist William Hogarth. Yeah, um, you know the kind of English satirist. Yeah. Um, there's, oh, because there was the called... one. Is it like there's there's morning, which is set in yes. Covent Garden. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So he he did four times a day. Okay. So it's like 
yeah yeah so i just nicked that um i think originally i called it four times of the day but i ran out of verses so i just <laughs> just made it three i made it three okay oh brilliant excellent um yeah so in a moment we'll we'll hear a, a snippet of three times of the day um all that is left um to do between now and that point is to say thank you very much to jeremy simon for uh coming on the podcast and um pouring his heart out about the music that he loves so thank you very much jeremy it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thanks Stephen. okay and uh here to play us out is uh, jeremy singing with the dylan trees uh, three times of the day i
So there you have it, 11 rather than 10 songs in the key of Jeremy Simon, plus a bonus track three times of the day from Dylan Trees from the 2011 album Victoryville. I hope you enjoyed the songs. Let me know what you thought of them by responding to the post for this episode on Instagram. Just look for songs in the key of. I'm always on the lookout for new songs to listen to, enjoy and talk about. So if you're a singer, songwriter, band member or just a good old fashioned music fan, please do drop me a line with your recommendations of things to listen to and share. I'll be back sooner or later with some more songs in the key of something or other else. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights, till we meet again.